Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, episode 22, and I am Demetrius Malbro, your Chief Data Protection Chef. And Data Protection Gumbo is set up with the aim to expand the awareness of the IT industry by being a voice for protecting all types of digital information. And today I am hosting our very first debate, and the rules are similar to boxing, which means you cannot hit below the belt, hold, trip, kick, headbutt, wrestle, bite, spit on, or push your opponent. Now, in the red corner, standing by the five pillars of tape management, asset management, chain of custody, library management, disaster recovery, and quality control, the tape whisperer and CEO of Gazillabyte, Gerard Nickel. And in the blue corner, float like a butterfly, light as a feather. Due to his virtualization skills in VMware and also disaster recovery as a service, technology strategist with NetV Pro, Paul Burns. So gentlemen, your topic today will be, is it safe to go completely tapeless, i.e. tape versus disk? So also try to stay within the context of economics, reliability, and manageability. So go to your separate corners and let's get ready to rumble. All right. I hope that's a great impression of the guy. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start off with you, Gerard. Well, good morning, guys. Um, it's an interesting, there is an interesting set of rules. Um, I thought this was going to be something more like ultimate fighting. Um, which seems to be the, the, the flavor of, of these discussions when they're, they're had on, um, on LinkedIn. Um, basically, you know, I think the topic is a very complicated one and, and it really sort of comes down to, 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 to personal choice. Um, and also, I think, how you use the, the respective technology that you're, um, that you're deploying. Now, conceptually, tape tape um, or, or disc can be used like tape um, that you know their tape and disc are, are, are very similar technologies just ad adapted differently they're optimized for one um, for one way of being used over another so um, you can use a disc just like a tape if you want um, conceptually you can use a tape like a disc um, and with technologies like LTFS, that that is starting to occur. Um, but really, to use tape completely like disk or to replace disk would be an absurdity. Um, similarly, to use disk like a tape um, would probably be quite absurd as well. So, really, I think to to consider. To consider whether or not you can go completely tapeless or whether that's a, a responsible thing to do, I think has to do with so many other factors, um, like you know how you deploy that disk um, before you can really kind of make a call on whether or not that is a sound thing to do or not. So that that's my that's my um, my opening punch. <laughs> All right. Paul, are you are you stunned? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he was he was quite uh, 
above the belt with a lot of that uh, response. Um, like you said, it's not ultimate fighting yet. Um, so, you know, in, in, in the business that I'm in, you know, we're all about real time data and, you know, what the most current version is. And now we're not too worried about the older version. Now, obviously, you know, versioning is, is important because, you know, you got a lot of end users out there that will go ahead and, and delete files, uh, you know, accidentally on purpose and that kind of thing. So obviously, you know, when you want to do your disk to disk backup, you're, you're also including versioning with that. So you can go back, you know, a day, a week, you know, um, you know, in this day and age, you know, we're getting a lot of, uh, different kind of attacks, you know, crypto locker to name one, you know, cause it's all, now people are holding your actual data hostage. Um, and we need to find the best way to combat that, you know, obviously on the, you know, security is, is a whole nother aspect of, of data protection. Right. Um, but to me, it's all about, you know, how quickly we can go back to the latest, safest version. And I think disk is the best way to do that, especially, you know, um, you know, with the, the seek times that you have with tape. Uh-oh, Gerard, he mentioned seek time. What, what do you, what's, what's going on with that? <laughs> well, I think really it kind of comes down to, to what it is you're, you're looking for and what compromises you have to make along the way. So, you know, ideally, I think everyone should have, you know, a, a copy of the most recent data on disk. Um, it really comes down to, to what you do when you make the call of having to, to make that compromise. So, you know, ideally, you know, if you've got enough disk to spare and you can afford it, you can have as many versions of a backup as you like on disk. And if you look at technologies like Microsoft Windows, you know, for the last probably six or seven years, Microsoft Windows has had, you know, previous version support in, in you know, natively in Windows. So if you're looking at, at you know, um, unstructured data like, um, like uh, pictures, for instance, or Word documents that you can turn um, versioning on so that as you, <coughs> excuse me, as you um, make different copies of the Word document, Windows will automatically retain those previous versions for you. Um, on on a, a more sort of structured basis, um, technologies like um, open technologies like Git um, can be used for you know things like programming source where um, you can make changes to the software and once you're happy with the, the change, you can push that change up and the, 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 the versioning will occur. Um, they're all disk-based technologies and, you know, they're all kind of, you know, common, commonly used by people. Now, the, the big problem comes when you start running out of disk. So, you know, if you're running on your, your laptop and, you know, I've got a, a Microsoft Surface, which has got, I think, 256 um, gig of memory. After a while, you, you start running out of space. And, you know, the, the call is then, how am I, what am I going to have to cull to, to fit all of this stuff in the, the, the scope of the, the current disk that I have? Um, and that's when people start looking at, you know, archiving data off. 
Um, and they also look at just purging data altogether. So when you, we, you, you talk about seek times on disk compared to tape, um, obviously it really relates to what you're restoring. If you're on disk and you're restoring a whole system, then there's a whole lot of seeking that, that goes on under the covers on that disk to get from one file to the next. And if you're implementing things like deduplication or um, delta level backup, then that really the disk could be you know freaking out going all over the place. Um, and that can be, be quite slow. Um, whereas on a tape to restore a full system, technically you're not doing any seeking. You're, you're starting at the front of the tape working your way back to the, the end of the tape, working your way back to the front, as you kind of um, snake back and forth to, to restore all of that data. So if you're restoring large quantities of data um, and all of that, those quantities of data are sequentially written on the disk, then really seek time is not an issue on tape at all, where it is it could be potentially a, a big problem on, on disk. So once again, it really comes down to what it is that you're restoring. Even if you're restoring a single file off a tape, if that, that file is the first file on the tape, then you've got no seeking going on. Um, but you do have you know, mount time and, and things like that. So once again, it really comes down to what it is you're restoring on a given day. Um, and what kind of recovery you're, you're participating in. All right, guys, I, I, got a, I got a quick scenario. You, you're throwing around file types and file sizes. So quick scenario, millions of files, millions of small files, right, that are stored on a tape versus stored on a disk. What are your thoughts? Paul? Uh, millions of files... Uh, that that kind of goes into a whole nother realm of you know nowadays people are doing object storage for millions of files, not you know the straight standard file system NFS. Let's just say. So you know what I'm I'm saying is when you're going that size of data, that amount of data, you know we're going to store it differently than what people traditionally would think it's. Mm -hmm is in a, a NFS type uh, file system. So, you know, with that kind of thing, we're looking at, you know, more of a redundant um, global solution, you know, multiple data centers backing up each other. So in reality, you, you're not going to be, you know, trying to push a bunch of data back. That's my response. Okay, Gerard? Well, I think um, it's hard to respond to that. Um, <laughs> that you know, I think you know, one of the things that I've you know come to realise over the years of being involved in backup is how nobody does it exactly the same way. So, just in my specialist niche of tape management, um, when people contact me to um, to, to look at buying a tape management software. Everybody presumes that the way that they do tape management is exactly the way that everybody else does tape management. Hmm. Um, and so they expect that when they're buying my software, that my software will do 
out of the box exactly what it is that they do with their tape management. Now, you know, it took me a long time to provide people with a solution that does everything that they want, but 90% of my software um, caters for the differences between how different people manage their backup tapes. So there, there's probably a good, you know, 80% of commonality in, in how people manage their, their backup tapes, but that 20% of difference between every customer, and no customer is exactly the same, accounts for about 90% of the code that I've had to, to write into my product. Now, a lot of the reasoning behind the, the, the different ways people manage their tapes has to do with the different ways that people back up to tape. Um, because everybody kind of implements backup slightly differently as well. Now, the same thing goes for restore, that, you know, some people have, you know, their disaster recovery system is they have a single computer, they back it up to tape, someone comes and picks it up, takes it off-site, and if they have a disaster, they're calling the off-site company. Hopefully, the off-site company can find all of their tapes. And then in the middle of the night, they drop all of those tapes back to a second location and start restoring from tape. Now, there are other people who, who don't even go that far. You know, there are people who back up to tape with no disaster recovery site. Their hope is that, you know, if there's ever a disaster, they might be able to find or, you know, negotiate a computer somewhere and, and restore. Um, then there are other people who have, you know, three data centers um, around the country and those data centers um, replicate to each other. Now, importantly, you've got to understand that replication is not backup. Um, a lot of people consider replication to be backup, and I suppose, in, in a way, it's, it's a form of... Um, a form of backup if you consider backup to be um, redundancy. But no one thinks RAID disk is backup. So if you've got a, if, if you've <laughs> yeah. got a RAID disk array, um, everybody just looks at that, that array as, as one disk. Whereas in fact, it, it could be you know, several disks and each of those disks are, are backing each other up. But no one considers that to be a backup. Um, now, if someone's replicating their, their, their mainframe or replicating a, 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 you know, a, a database from one, one site to another, there's a lot of people out there who would call that backup. Um, there's no backup version there. Um, if one of those systems got corrupted, it would corrupt the other system. Um, but for a lot of people, they're quite happy to, to, for, to get rid of all backup and just rely on their, um, their, their high availability. Um, and, and, you know, just in, in discussing that, I've discussed three or four flavors already. Add to that an infinite number of flavors of, of how people are doing their backup and, and how people are, are doing their restores. So to kind of generally, you know, say whether or not something will or won't work, you almost need to look at it from a an individual's perspective of, of whether that will work for them. Um, and you also have to take into account that, you know, no matter what it is you do, there's always a possibility that it won't work. 
Um, no matter how much you test things, um, you know, you, you can never really foresee every solution, every every possibility that, that might come your way. And in a way, that, that to me is one of the strengths of tape. Um, the, strengths, the strength of tape is that as long as you have a valid backup to start off with, taking that backup off-site and putting it in someone else's hands, um, as long as those people are competently managing that data, always gives you that opportunity to, to get those tapes back and, and kind of start from scratch. Whereas when you've got data which is spun up and accessible, even if that data is between firewalls and, and protected by different technologies, you'd be surprised how few technologies these technologies are actually built upon. So if you go back to the, the, the core of it, you find a lot of these appliances run open source software or have web interfaces that are kind of built on the, 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 same, um, the same code bases. So if you're backing up a mainframe to an appliance and that appliance is, is running Linux, chances are that that Linux is easier to, to hack into than the mainframe is. So if you're backing up to that appliance and you know a hacker does manage to get into your network, chances are they're going to compromise your backup before they compromise the primary data. So if they have compromised the backup and then they compromise your primary data, you've got nothing to go back to. Whereas if the tape is physically offline and, and stored competently, you've always got something that you, know, you can fall back on as, as a last resort. Well, and to, to Rod, I'm going to jump in here a bit and kind of break this up a little bit. And uh, Paul, I, I think he kind of knocked you knocked you down on the mat a little bit, so I'm going to start counting here so you can get back up. Um, now he mentioned manageability, so uh, I'm sure you have something to say about you know the manageability of tape and handling tapes, you know, versus disc. So go right ahead. Yeah, in our industry, and I'll I'll start off with you know counterpunching on on the, all the DR piece. I'll I'll go ahead and agree with Gerard on you know replication is not backup. It is just another copy of your data. Um, and you're correct. It, you know many times if it gets um, corrupted, it'll just corrupt both sites. Um, I'll jump back onto the manageability of it all. Um, you know, we feel that less moving parts is more streamlined. So, you know, if we set up a backup off-site onto disk, then, you know, you don't have, you know, the truck time, the, the watching of the tapes, you know, making sure where things are at. You know, we know where it's at. It's at the DR site or, you know, backup site, you know. And it's all in how you put the data out there. We support both ways. Most of our customers choose um, disaster recovery because they have a backup solution on site. Um, but some customers actually choose both. So they push a copy, um, uh, a live copy for DR, you know, replication live as, as fast as, as soon as the changes they get, you know, they're pushing changes off to our site. Um, 
and they also push their backups versioning to us you know depending on how many copies versions they want you know obviously that takes more space and it costs them more money and now we're getting into you know the the whole cost thing you know because nowadays you know disk becomes cheaper and cheaper i mean they, they have 10 terabyte drives out nowadays um so it comes to hey it's it just really inexpensive nowadays to manage you know disk locally and and in the cloud um there's a lot of solutions out there that are very inexpensive, you know, using the cloud. Okay. Well, I, in response to that, this is an interesting. Um, it's an interesting argument of, of people who who you know advocate going diskless, oh, going tapeless, and that is that it is it is quite true to say that that disk technologies get cheaper and cheaper. But at the same time, also tape technologies get cheaper and cheaper. So it's not as if one technology stands still while disk... Like, it's not as if everyone deliberately holds everything else back or stops working on it because people are making advances in disk technology. The same thing goes for, for, for network connectivity as well because a lot of the backup solutions that people sell are highly dependent on on network network bandwidth that um, I've been having this 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 discussion with people for, for a decade and that basically the premise of their argument is that bandwidth is just going to continue to increase and disk is going to continue to get cheaper but what they don't address in that is that you know like anyone when they're building a highway as soon as you build a highway you know, okay, everyone gets that nice, um, you know, honeymoon period the day the highway opens where, you know, they get to work 20 minutes earlier. But, you know, everyone knows that six months later they're going to be in the same traffic that they were in, you know, six months before. So now you've got a 10-lane highway rather than a six-lane, but the 10-lane highway is moving at the speed that the six-lane highway was. And that's, that's the, the bandwidth analogy. But also with disk, that as soon as you, you, you increase the capacity of that disk, people find ways of, of filling that disk. Now, the more disk that you fill, as long as tape remains proportionately less expensive than disk, the more disk you have, proportionately, the more, the more savings you get out of tape. So if you had 10 terabytes of, of disk last week and you have a hundred terabytes of disk next week then you've got ten times more disk and as long as tape remains four or five times cheaper than disk tape has just become more attractive not less attractive <clears throat> as disk becomes less expensive and is utilized more wow that, that's a really good argument um, I will take that in very good consideration. Um, but yeah, on the bandwidth piece of things, I mean, that's part of our calculation that we have to do with every customer is one, figure out, you know, most people know what their download speeds are, but it really comes down to for us pushing data off site is their upload speeds. And most people don't know what their upload speeds are. 
So what we, you know, first off, we calculate what their upload speeds are, and then we can do the theoretical: how much data can we push off-site? And then we use their their backup solution to calculate how much the difference of of uh, their their change rate. And a lot of people don't even know what their change rate is. <laughs> so you know, we're, we're doing a lot of yeah. educating in this market to figure out: hey, is it feasible? To push your data off-site in in fairly, you know, at least once a night to get a, a DR site halfway reasonable that makes sense. Otherwise, you're right. I mean, they're going to have to roll trucks, you know, either push it to a portable drive and send it that way, or or stay on their existing tape. So. Um Reliability. So, disk is definitely more reliable, right? Than what? Than tape. <laughs> um, you know, is, is that true, Gerard? Well, uh, no one ever implemented a RAID solution for tape. So, you know, at, at its 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 core level, if if you look um, at, at what a disk drive is, is you know, a disk a disk drive has all its eggs in one basket. So. You've got, you know, the the, the 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 disk. You've got the motor. You've got the heads. Um, you've got the computer interface. Um, you know, the controller. It's all built into one device. Now, that's a whole lot of technology that can go wrong in, in the in the one place. And that's why you know disks, as uh, are firstly, you know, normally used now in an array of of RAID disks, so that you might have three or four disks in a RAID array, and if one goes out, then you know someone has to go and replace that disk, and that you know that will dynamically rebuild. Um, but you know, the, from a, an, an individual unit perspective, tape is a lot more reliable than disk is. But the way that that disk is used, obviously stored in. Um, you know, in arrays, then those arrays can be, you know, as reliable, if not more reliable, than an individual tape. But in a way, it's kind of like not a fair fight because you're comparing three discs to one tape. So, you know, <laughs> if this bullied? was a boxing match, you know, to, to, to say, well, look, Gerard, you're one tape, um, but we're going to put you up against three discs, well, it's kind of not a fair fight. Um, that, you know, if I had three tape drives that were writing in parallel, I can start doing a whole lot of creative things with those those three tape drives. Um, I could re reduce seek time by having three copies of data and, and dev designing systems that say, okay, every time we write data out to tape, we're going to write it out to three tape drives. And by the way, we're going to have a one-to-one marriage between the tape and the drive so we're going to have the the drive you know the the motor the controller and the and the media all in one place they're going to always be one and the same and i'm going to have three of them now if i start streaming data out to those three drives and i need to do three individual restores and those three individual restores are in three different parts of the, the tape maybe i could design software that kept each of the tapes positioned a third of a res, you know respective third of the way into those tapes, so that when someone wanted one of the files, it would go to the tape drive which was most conveniently positioned to to get that data. Now, 
that's a ridiculous proposition because that's just not how tape is used. You know, that's starting to use tape like people use disc. Now, even if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to do that, I'd have to design my own backup systems and my own mechanisms. Um, I'm not going to do that. It's just no one's done it for a good reason, and the good reason is is that that's just not how people use tape. So if if you want to just talk about you know parity of um, of reliability, if I had a single disc that was just sitting there by itself and it was online and it was in use, and I had a single tape which was in use, I'd I'd much rather rely on the tape than I would the disc from a reliability perspective. Hmm. Now, and that's also saying that the tape is, is you know, permanently stuck in the tape drive um, because, you know... Which, which, which happens pretty often. <laughs> well, it's... That, that, that also, I think, is, is, is a bit of a myth too, but we, we, can, we can talk about that later, but if if there was let's let let's just say you know you want to compare the technologies like for like you could design a tape drive that that didn't come in cartridge form that was just you know tape that was permanently in in the 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 tape drive well it's not going to get stuck in the drive because it's it's designed to permanently be there so you know, with with a with a, a disk drive, someone gets the disk drive and they get a screwdriver out and they permanently bolt that that disk drive into the system. Well, you know, obviously, tape is designed differently. It's designed to be you know one to many. You've got one tape drive, and for every one tape drive, companies often have a thousand different tapes. So. You know, I, I use the word promiscuous. Tape drives are, are designed to be a lot more promiscuous than um, a, a disk drive is. So, you know, if once you take into account the differing way tape is used, so the fact that one tape drive has a relationship with, with a thousand different tapes and that those tapes are then ejected often sent sent to, to, to on-site racking for, for deep archive or sent off to an off-site vendor and then stored in racking there and then brought back and reused. If you use disk the same way, then I think you'd probably find that, you know, both technologies would be reliable, but I'd have a much better feeling of being able to get the data back off the tape than I would off the disk if you were using disk exactly like you used it like tape. All right, gentlemen, so we are moving into the final round here and closing arguments. Paul. Oh, closing arguments. Well, oh, I was just, oh, yeah. I was just ready to rebuttal his whole, okay, whole sure. tape thing. Well, part of the problem with, with you know, what I've seen with um, tape drives in in itself is, you know, like you said, they're promiscuous and the drives themselves have to read and write through a lot of different discs so then you know now you're like okay the, the drive becomes worn you know and you have to calibrate that drive to make sure it, it maintains you know the right uh, read write speed of the, the tape and let alone that now you know you, you talk about archive you archive that off 
but you know you're, you you want to move it forward with your technology you want to move from LTO 5 to LTO 7 and oh yeah I, I stored a whole bunch of LTO 4 drive uh, tapes in my data center uh, in my offsite archival so how do I go back because many different manufacturers only support two versions back of your LTO um, drives themselves so now we're like okay do we have to maintain that old drive in order to make sure we can read the old LTO4 systems um, well, I think there's, there's you know uh, there's an easy answer to that and that is that as data becomes older um, no matter what technology you use to, to back up that data as it becomes older it becomes harder to read once you've even got it back to disk so you know if, if you had data from you know a Microsoft Exchange from two weeks ago you've got the same version of Microsoft Exchange today and you know if you need to restore that's pretty simple but even if you had a local copy of some some a Microsoft Exchange data store from 10 years ago your challenge really isn't how you get the data back to a position where you can start you know using it in software the real challenge is being able to interpret that data 10 years down the track so as data ages irrespective of technology it becomes harder and harder to interpret now once again, this so is kind you're of... Saying, you're saying people shouldn't be keeping data forever? Well, it, once again, it really de depends on you know what the, the records managers say and, and what the business decision is. Um, I think that we're, that we're moving towards... Um, we're moving towards a, an environment where data is stored for, for longer and longer periods. So if you look at, you know, just my home country of Australia, that, you know, Australia passed laws um, just recently that require all ISPs to, um, or internet service providers to retain all of their customer connection data for a two-year period. So basically every TCP IP outbound connection or inbound connection they're logging, um, and you know every website that someone visits, they're logging. And it's kind of Big Brother, pretty scary stuff. But the the ISPs do this anyway. You know, it's a goldmine of information for them to 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 be recording where everybody's going. Now, you know, the government introduced these laws, and all of a sudden, everybody realised that they had to start archiving off for just compliance purposes with the law. <coughs> all of that data, you know, so you know. 22 million Australians, all of their cell phones, all of their tablets, all of their PCs, those ISPs now have to kick to retain all of that information of, you know, what websites they're viewing for two years. Now, you know, it, it's inevitable that the government are going to extend that two years to five years or ten years. Um, and, you know, if the ISPs start finding uses for that data, or society starts finding uses for that for that data, you could find that all of a sudden that's that's retained forever. So, you know, a lot of companies at the moment are going through the process, or you know, a lot of the people I deal with are going through the process of starting to go through their their backup tapes from ten years ago and start 
destroying them. So they're putting, you know, records management processes in place. <laughs> but you did bring up a very interesting point of, you know, uh, maintaining, you know, all this data, you know, you know, re requirement to maintain data for two years, all the TCPIP connections. And then the ISPs at some point go, well, maybe this data is valuable. Well, now you're rolling into what people consider big data. And, you know, when you're talking big data, you want that data online and available so you can run through uh, different analytics to be able to pull out the patterns that they're looking for to make that data useful. And to me, that all resides on disk. Well, interestingly, you know, uh, I, I, I talk a lot with the, the, the tape drive engineers. The, the tape drive technology has a lot of functionality in it that the, it's just basically latent waiting there to be exploited by people. So at the moment, tape drives have technology in them that allow you to search data with, without transferring the data from the tape drive to the, to a position where the CPU can analyze it. So right, right now today, um, if someone wanted to, you know, to, to leverage this technology, you can say to a tape drive, I want you to go and I want you to find these strings of data on the tape. And the tape drive will go off of its own accord and read through the whole tape until it finds those strings and then come back and say, I've found something. Now that becomes really fast because the data is streaming off the tape. When you don't know what you're looking for, if you think, if you've got you know, a large disk array and you don't know what you're looking for, there's a huge amount of seek time that goes, goes on. Um, you know, there, there's, it's, it's basically a sequential read, but it's a sequential read that requires seeks to go from, you know, track to track on the disk. Now, if you, if you leverage that technology on the tape, you can say, I want you to take tape drive, I want you to mount this tape, and I want you to tell me whether or not this tape contains this string. Now, if the tape drive comes back and says, actually, I searched the whole tape and I didn't find that string, tape, the engineers are telling me that tape is at least four times faster than disk to do that search. And the reason is, is that you're offloading the search to the device, which you can do with the one-to-many um, implementation of tape. So what you can do is, you know, the reason that an LTO tape drive is $3,000 is because that L LTO tape drive contains a huge amount of technology, a lot of technology that often isn't even used. For instance, encryption. In with a tape drive, you can stream data unencrypted to the tape drive and the tape drive itself will do all of the work of encrypting and then when you're reading it back, decrypting that data. There's no CPU involved, um, and sure, sure. I mean, know, obviously, we we have self-encrypting drives. So. Yes, but it's not common to have self-encrypting drives. So everyone who has an LTO tape drive, so you know, a good eighty percent of the people, and now I'm just picking eighty percent as a random figure here because I don't really know, but let's say eighty percent of the people out there use LTO technology. Well, you know, LTO technology from LTO 4 or 5 on had encrypted encryption built into it. So everyone who's got an LTO 6 drive already has the means to do encryption. 
and they have the means to do encryption on a one-to-many basis. So when they buy a thousand tapes, each one of those tapes doesn't have to have encryption capabilities in it. Only the tape drive has to have that encryption technology. Now, the majority of people who have disk drives don't have self-encrypting disk drives. And if they do, every time they have to buy a, a disk drive, they have to buy a self-encrypting disk drive and they have to pay that, that extra money to get that technology built into the drive. So, you know, it, once again, it's, I can tell you, everyone who has an LTO tape drive, LTO5 tape drive right now or above, they got encryption. They got encryption for every single one of their tapes. If they got one drive and they got a thousand tapes, they're completely covered with encryption. But it's quite uncommon for companies to have self-encrypting drives completely through their enterprise. Well, and, and guys, I'm going to have to ring the bell on this one and um, definitely say that we are more than likely due for a rematch here. Uh, so we're, we're kind of up against the window of time here. I like to keep the episodes uh, within a certain um, time period. I really enjoyed having both of you on the show. Look forward to bringing both of you back. And um, this will conclude this episode 22 of Data Protection Gumbo. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank you for listening. I welcome your feedback on iTunes and ask that you provide a rating and share with your peers. Please follow me on Twitter at DMalbro and connect with me on LinkedIn. Together we will be able to add to the innovation of storing data more efficiently and smarter. Have a great week. <laughs>